Hey, it's Joe Gerard with the Sales Hero Podcast, where you're going to learn some cool stuff about psychology, influence, neuroscience, those repeatable best practices and systems, and building your bulletproof mindset. You can also find me on my blog at joegerard.ca and at salesheroacademy.com. Now today, it's kind of a cool one. We're going to be talking about unconscious communication, all of that like subconscious stuff that we do that we don't even know that we're doing, and more importantly, how that behavior, that communication could be sabotaging your sales and your relationships. This is also a blog post, so you can check that out on the link as well for more content. Remember, it's all about keeping things simple, having fun, and getting back to just helping more people buy from you. So let's get started. All right, welcome to today's post. And you know what? This is really exciting for me. I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of studying on neuroscience, behavior, psychology. I'm looking at a bunch of things around habits and really how to um, like reprogram ourselves and what's going on sort of behind the scenes in our brains and our minds so that I can find how to give myself an edge, how to give my clients an edge, and really like how to give you guys an edge with the stuff that you're doing. And one of the great things I've been reading is this book um, called Subliminal. And it's all about how our unconscious mind rules most of what we do. And so I thought I would share today a post on our unconscious communication. And there's some things that we're doing that we're most likely not aware of. And I wanted to give you some ideas on how you can communicate to others more effectively and stop sabotaging perhaps some of the conversations you're having. And so today's post is called Unconscious Communication, Sabotaging Success in Others. And the big question that I ask is if you ever found yourself prejudging on whether or not somebody's going to be successful, even if you don't mean to, right? And regardless of whether you're in sales, which is the, the area that I, that I talk a lot about, um, or it's with your families, with your friends, or with your staff, or pretty much anybody, we subconsciously communicate things all the time. And when you communicate with people, there's a whole bunch of things that you're saying that you're not saying. Right. I always talk about, you know, when you walk into a room, people say yes or no before they even say hello. And no matter how much you try and force the words and the meaning, people know what you really are saying. And all of these studies that I'm reading are proving it, which is, thank, thank goodness for me, because uh, I've been saying this for quite a while. <laughs> so I wanted to show you today some of those studies, what's happening with those studies, and how you can take advantage of this knowledge and help other people succeed through this, right? And one of the things that when I do a lot of my sales training, um, I talk to people about not prejudging and not making assumptions, and that whatever you're thinking is really coming through on the other end. And so when, you know, a lot of times we end up uh, cutting those conversations short we end up sort of sabotaging the ability of our clients to go through the full process because something they said, something they did made us go, ah, you know what, maybe they're not going to be successful. And maybe we kept going and we kept going through the motions and saying what we said, but subconsciously we're communicating to them that we don't feel they're going to be successful. And so as much as we all know this intuitively, and I talk to people, I say, yeah, yeah, we know that. And we know that we shouldn't be judging. But when we start looking at the studies and the things that we're doing unconsciously, we realize that we really can't control this. So we got to put a lot more intention to it. And for me, that was the big realization is that... um, you know, we have to really spend time on being intentional and being, you know, present and having the right energy and being able to look at what we're doing every single day because we can't fake this stuff. This is really, really powerful. So stay with me here. Um, 
and this also has helped me improve all of my relationships, not just my sales ones, my business ones, but even personally, you know, being intentional, thinking about what that other person is thinking about in front of you and being hyper aware of the stuff that you're saying and not saying. And the big part about this is this book that I'm reading is called Subliminal and it's called Subliminal, How Your Unconscious Mind Rules Your Behavior. And the, the gentleman's name is Leonard uh, Mladenov. Um, and really what I love is that Man, this guy, he goes into all the details about stuff that we didn't even think about. And this, the field that I'm studying right now is called social cognitive neuroscience. And only in the last decade or so, probably since 1990 is when fMRIs were in um, uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging, they were introduced. And so people started to use that to actually see what's going on inside the brain and only really in the last decade to 15 years have they been applying this in a way that we start to see really what's happening and starting to second guess a lot of what we used to know as true and so you know we've all heard that our brain is like this computer but in reality there's way too much for us to process right and so we're only conscious like physically specifically conscious about five percent of all of that cognitive function the other 95 percent goes completely beyond our awareness and exerts this massive influence over our lives, beginning with making it possible for us to just survive and live. I won't go into too much detail there, but really, um, when you think about it, uh, textbooks on uh, physiology, human physiology, they explain that human sensory system sends the brain about 11 million bits of information each second. Right? That's crazy. We always talk about this human brain, this big, powerful computer, but in reality... The actual amount we can handle is only around between 16 and 50 bits per second. There's all this stuff that's happening, but we're only conscious of a small portion of it. And so when we think that we're in complete control of all the stuff we're doing and saying and thinking and how we're behaving, it's, it's not true. And all I'm asking you guys is just admit that that's, that's reality right? That's, it's painful for us to admit that that's the reality. And, you know, we wouldn't be able to survive if we had to process all of the stuff that was happening to us all the time. We just, our brains would overheat and we would just burn up. I think that's, I don't know if that's science, but that's what it feels like would happen. So we need much of what's happening in our lives to be automated and as part of our survival mechanism. And the research shows that this unconscious tier of our brain is way more fundamental than our conscious one. But the problem with this this thought process is that it makes us feel like we're a little bit um, not in control of our own lives, that we go, uh-oh, you know, what does this mean? Does this mean we, we can't do anything about it? And that's what I want to talk to you today about is that we can do something. And one of the great quotes I love from this book is, we all hold dear the idea that we're captain of our own soul and we're in charge. And it's a very scary feeling when we're not. In fact, that's what psychosis is. That's by a guy named Sam Bard. So we don't want to feel like we're not in control because then we feel like, uh-oh, we're going crazy and maybe we're going to be the next star on Criminal Minds. But when we start you know, digging into this subconscious communication and what's going on, we start to realize that there's a lot of stuff going on that we can control. We just got to be aware of it. So I wanted to sh- the big thing I wanted to share with you is that there's these studies on unconscious communication that really just sort of caught my attention and went, ah, that makes a lot of sense. So the first study, there's three of them. The first one is about rats. So they put these students in this experimental uh, psychology class. And each of these students were given these rats that they were going to train to go through this maze. It was like a T-shaped maze. And, and on, they had to turn, teach them how to go left to get to the gray area and get chocolate or whatever it was. 
But half the class, um, actually the students weren't aware that they were the subjects of the experiment. They thought they were the experimenters, which is, I love this stuff. And half the class was told that their rats were from this like really solid superior breeding. And the other rats, uh, the other group was told that the, the rats that they had had no sense of direction at all, that they were kind of the dumb rats. And so even all, even though all the rats came from the exact same breeding. So what they did is that the students that believed that their rats were going to be brilliant, performed way better uh, at getting them through these mazes than the rats who were believed to be on that dumb side. The students who thought their rats were talented handled them more gently. They were more reassuring. They did all these things to help the rats succeed, and they communicated this positive attitude, and it was became this like self-fulfilling prophecy. But they took that experiment a little bit further. And they said, what if we just tell these students, uh, not only are these rats, you know, either successful or unsuccessful or brilliant or dumb, but I want you to treat all the rats equally, no matter where you know that they come from. And even though the students knew the rats um, had different breeding, they still unconsciously communicated their feelings of success to those rats. So they were told to behave, you know, impartially, but because they knew those rats had that specific breeding, they treated them differently, right? Now, we know that that's kind of true, um, and that makes sense, but let's talk a little bit further. The second study was with humans. So what they did is this guy, Robert Rosenthal, he was one of the researchers in that rat study, and so what he wanted to do is he wanted to see how this actually played out with humans. And so he brought in some student experimenters, but in fact, those were the experiments of the study. And I love that they just keep tricking people, which is funny to me. They were given these pictures of people's faces and those faces they were going to show to their subjects. And they were asking the subjects to rate the faces they showed them on the degree of success or failure that they felt that that picture reflected. Okay? But the faces on all the, all, in all of these studies were ones that had been totally tested to be um, regarded as neutral by all of the previous um, people that were studying them. So these were, tr- were they were trying to have sort of an unbiased um, degree of success face. I don't even know what you would call that on a scale. But what they told the experimenters, they told half of them that the faces they had were rated as highly successful. And the other group were told that the faces they were holding were unsuccessful. Then he gave them all very specific scripts to follow, and they were to show those faces to the people they were experimenting with. Um, so they didn't want to they didn't want to skew any verbal communication. They just want to see how the the nonverbal stuff worked. And all they had to do was show the faces and read the scripts. And it was absolutely crazy and shocking to find that not only was the average skewed one way, but every single student who was led to believe that they were holding successful faces somehow convinced everybody unconsciously that they were looking at successful faces and those scores were higher rankings in the other groups. Unconsciously, they, ex- they communicated the expectations to those people in the group. Crazy, right? But then he took it a bit further. So and this is one that really just caught my attention is he said, okay, a year after that experiment, we're going to try this again, but we're going to give it a little twist, right? They did the first experiment again and what they did is they recorded the audio of the people doing the experiment the experimenters and as they gave their instructions. And so now they have this, not only a script, but now recorded audio. Then they conducted the new study again, but this time the subjects didn't have an experimenter in front of her in front of them. They just listened to the audio from the previous one. So to remove all visual cues, all body language, all human contact, they just had to listen to the audio. 
And these were also scripts, so very specific words said in a very specific way, but people unconsciously were believing something. So once again, the results were biased, but about half as much. But somehow, through inflection, tone of voice, and any other cues, these experimenters communicated how they felt about these photos, even when all these other factors were removed. How crazy is that? And it got me thinking, man, like all the time I'm on the phone or even like speaking through through my blog, through my podcast, and when I'm writing, we're doing all of this stuff completely unconsciously. And it's it's really like, wow, like all the stuff we do every single day. So, you know, you got to remember that subconsciously you're communicating your true feelings at all times. And so as I was reading this, I was thinking about my own intentions. I was thinking about the conversations I was having and I was seeing how often, you know, do I catch myself just simply going through the motions? When I'm talking to clients, when I'm talking to my, my girlfriend, when I'm talking to everybody, I'm like, wow, are we just saying a bunch of stuff or do we truly feel, do we truly bring in the, the feelings and the emotions behind the words that we're saying? And it's totally normal when we're talking to somebody to feel negative emotions or negative feelings about what's going on in their life or about them and to try and mask that with other words. But we don't mean to intentionally do this. But we know it happens. We have to know that it happens, right? You have to be thinking about this. This is happening all the time. And we must know how what we feel, what our emotions are inside are affecting the people around us, okay? And as, uh, and I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Mladenov, he says, whether or not we wish to, we communicate our expectations to others and often they respond by fulfilling those expectations, you can probably think of expectations, whether stated or not, that you have regarding most people you interact with. This is that whole idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, right? We are always communicating, whether we mean to or not, how we feel about people. We can't hide it. And science has shown us, right? And he's done, Rosenthal, the guy that did these studies, has done a bunch of other studies on this subject, and especially with kids, with children, and the expectations we have on them. And what he figured out was that labeling children as gifted has proven to be a powerful, self-fulfilling prophecy. We know that in our hearts, but the studies he's doing is showing that. And it works the other way, too. If we feel a child is going to be a poor learner, you completely contribute to them being exactly that. Right. When that's a whole saying, whether or not you think you can or, or can't, you're right. Right. So it's not only our mental, um, you know, our positive mindset for ourselves, but subconsciously we communicate that to our friends, family and our kids. Right. And this goes completely hand in hand with whatever about last time, which is don't be a salesy weirdo. Right. This is something that's been really fun to talk to people about is when you're talking to people, just don't be weird. Right. You got to be true to yourself. You got to be normal and don't be weird because if you're weird, they can feel you're weird and you know you feel weird. Okay. So to help others succeed, just know that you're always doing this unconsciously. Okay. So now we know that that's what's going on. Let's talk about a couple ways we can, we can communicate with others and how we can set our minds in the right place so we can increase our chances of success, helping them make decisions and success in their own mind. Right. So the first thing I would say is number one, observe the moments when you're prejudging. Just simply catch yourself judging. That's all you have. Anytime you're doing anything, you're trying to improve a behavior or habit, just find yourself doing the thing. Observe yourself doing it. So when you're on a sales call, just find the time when you go, ah, oh, you know what? I was judging. 
some, they said this thing and I felt, you know what, that's, I've had experience with that before, so they probably won't succeed. And so we're communicating that to them, right? And anytime you want to improve, just, just start observing that. That's the first step. And just even grab a checklist for yourself and write it down. Just catch yourself. How many times a day do you catch yourself prejudging? The second one, step number two, is now that you know the things and the times that you prejudge, start thinking about and find the opposite to be true. Find instances where that barrier, that uh, issue was overcome by somebody else, right? Think about, um, you know, a client that you had this. So a client is telling you, you know, maybe I can't afford this product, right? And you're thinking, well, you know, based on their situation and based on this and this, they're probably right. Now you got to go back into your mental Rolodex and say, was there a situation where the opposite was true? And how did that person overcome it? And you got to do this quick before you actually have this conversation. You have to be pulling this stuff into your mind so that when that comes up, they don't see or hear unconsciously that you believe what they're saying is true. You have to convey to them that the opposite is true, right? And this is, this is a very powerful idea. So anytime, so it starts with, first of all, observing prejudgment, and then secondly, finding instances where the opposite is true, where somebody overcame those challenges. And if you don't have a specific story, maybe do some research, ask some friends, go out and find all of the ways that it's not true, right? Step number three is you got to set those intentions. And I've talked about this before, but before you start each day, get in your mind a mental script that says, you know what, everybody I meet today can be as successful as they want. And I'm going to do my best to help them see it and feel it no matter what their challenges are. I'm going to see if I can help people overcome this stuff. And I truly feel that people can succeed, right? And you can make up your own version of that script, but you get the point, right? You get the idea. Give everybody a chance before you even talk to them. Give them a chance to succeed. And you're going to be surprised at how quickly and how, and how fast and how powerfully they respond to the intentions that you've set right? Step number four is now you got to be totally present with others, right? Eliminate those distractions. When you're speaking with people on the phone or in person, remember that you're communicating more than just words. You may have, you know, you may know um, that, that this is happening before. You may have known this, but now that you know these studies, remember that this is happening. And if you're finding that your results aren't, aren't, um, aren't where they're at, chances are it's because your presence isn't there and you're not communicating what you truly feel, right? Eliminate those distractions, ask real questions and be completely crazy curious about the person in front of you and find ways to help them succeed and look for the opportunities in every situation. Okay. Step number five, encourage and guide people. If you can shift your mindset to, to one of the success in other people, then you can work on helping them see what you see, right? Everything you do in anything is really just simply a transfer of emotion because when you get excited, they're going to get excited. And when you see possibilities, so will they. And you can convey that better than anybody else. If you've done, if you're in, in sales and you're trying to position a product, you just got to remember you've done this hundreds or thousands of times and this is the first time they're doing it. So your confidence will help them be confident. So if you're not sure about that, you know, go back to my stuff I was talking about on mirror neurons where we convey things very subtly to other people. So our excitement breeds their excitement. So each day you have to think, what can I do to be my best to be kind and inspire other people? And another quote that I love is long before we can verbalize attraction or revulsion, we are attracted to the kind and repelled by the unkind, right? We want to be around people who are kind and we don't want to be around people who are unkind, just like the rats, man.
right? So earlier this year, I talked about being more authentic. And I will tell you that this has absolutely helped me get my head in the right place. It's up my game a hundredfold. And it's, can keep, it's kept me consistent in my communication with others, in my belief in others. And I've just been, as much as I can, try and be real to myself and challenge my mindset on, you know, am I being completely true? Am I being really real with everybody? And the more I read about habits and unconscious behavior and this neuroscience, this social cognitive neuroscience stuff, the more I realize that there's so much more than, than we realize in, in the way that we do things. And so my promise to you is that I'm going to bring these ideas and insights to you, but all I ask is that you take action and put them to the test. Just try one thing, right? Go make an impact in the lives of the people you touch and let's learn how to do this all together. Okay. So this was, yeah, this post was really, really fun for me. This, this, um, this topic, because this is something that really helps us, you know, get that advantage, get that edge, but it also helps us shift our thinking into, you know, we can make this a lot simpler. If you can understand this unconscious stuff, and this is happening about 95% of what our brain is doing, you're going to give yourself a massive edge over everybody else who's just trying to figure out what the right words to say. If you bring in the right subconscious behaviors, you will win every time. So that's it for this one. Remember to share, you know, like this stuff, send it to people. I've got, you know, on the, on the blog, make sure you leave comments and subscribe. Um, and if you like this, you know, leave comments, send me an email, let me know I can help you. And that's it for today. Take care. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. You know, whether you're just starting out or you have decades of experience, it's conversations exactly like these that can help you get an edge today and in the long term. You can also find me on my blog at joegerard.ca and saleshero.academy.com. Make sure you share this with your friends and colleagues as well. You know, selling is heroic because nothing happens in a business unless people buy from you. This is why I want to help you just simplify, have fun, and grow. Let's not only talk about these ideas, but take action and do our best work together. When you invest in yourself and just continuously learn how to sell the right way, you are a hero for your customers and for yourself. So join me next time for another episode of the Sales Hero Podcast.